Welcome to Talking Chalk with Jamie and Goody, a podcast about your team and your fantasy baseball keeper league, and all the drama, triumph, and failure that goes into it. In this episode, Goody Howski and I discuss the sticky situation MLB has found itself in, and the injury that has rocked the world of one of our hosts. Uh, it just sucks, because obviously a guy that has totally put it together, a guy that I've watched develop, a guy you know, that had turned himself into a you know, a top 10, top 15, not only just starting pitcher, but asset in this league, really. If you look at the age, the way he was throwing seven, eight innings an outing, getting 10 plus strikeouts an outing, uh, just, just sucks. All that and more on this episode of Talking Chalk. I hope this makes the final cut. Oh God. So, <laughs> all right. We've got everyone together. Finally, dads united uh, on late night to talk about some fantasy baseball. Finally, after quite a long um, absence, but appreciate you, Housky. Appreciate Ben for stepping in and doing what you can to keep things running uh, while I was away for a little while. Can't promise that I'll be back with regularity, but happy to have a, a night to talk about uh, our league and some of the bullshit that's going on and, uh, you know, how it impacts everyone how's everyone doing tonight i almost didn't make it so uh, i'm glad i was able to you know sometimes these kids get to you a little bit as i've been saying in the group chat i'm i'm, uh, I'm kids positive and uh, that can be hard sometimes it's hard to live with <laughs> you tested pe- tested positive for kids i mean tested- you guys you you guys are you guys are worn out i had a i had a outback steak dinner from doordash and a couple glasses of wine so i'm feeling pretty tired actually oh, shit. so Oh yeah, I I needed a, a a bottle and a nap myself in order to get to this thing. I I was out for like two hours. I felt like crap getting off, but I, I thought Jamie might think I was ducking him. I was a little scared to be on this, so I had to power through. You have been ducking me, Housey. Can we start with that? What's uh? You're not replying to any of my text messages anymore. Half of them are very nice. Leave them on. Leave them on red. I'm leaving them on red until <laughs> until my fantasy team got better. I made a I made a pact to myself not to uh not to get dragged into a Jamie troll. So every week on the pod, I got to hear about how great your team is, but you're not confident enough to read my text messages. Is that what you're saying? Oh, no, no, no. Lift you on red means I read it. I, oh, see, okay. Originally, I thought see, I thought I was really sly. I keep forgetting you don't have an Apple that you no, get yeah. frustrated. Yeah, like, like I, iPhones, you can set it so the other person knows when you've read the message and it's like the ultimate diss to yes, like, correct. let them oh. know you read it and you didn't respond. Exactly. Oh, so okay. I've been bragging about this for a couple months just to find out that, wait, Jamie doesn't have that. Oh, what the? So he thinks I haven't been reading them. Well, I'm that's te- not fun. I'm texting you nice things. I'm texting like, oh, Chris Bryant's really good this year. That's great for you. Like trying to be happy and, you know, go lucky. I beat you down week one. I don't need to be an enemy every single week of the year, Housky. You're not a threat anymore. We can be friendly. See, according to Roto, I would disagree. Yeah. Well, according to Roto. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's start with the uh, the number one topic. And that's poor Ian and Tyler Glass now, who has uh, a small tear in the UCL, which is uh, not a good thing. And it looks like he's going to try to rehab it for the second half of this year to be ready for the playoffs. Uh, we've seen some pitchers try to do that before they get the, like the PHP injections and they try to come back from this without having Tommy John, but ultimately many of them still end up having Tommy John. So Ian, what was your initial reaction to this? Uh, there's a, a lot to unpack here. I mean, I think a swift kick in the nuts doesn't even really describe it. Uh, 
much. Uh, you know, it's, it's obviously, even if he's going to try and rehab for fantasy purposes, his 2021 season is shot. Uh, even if it's similar timeline to what his injury was a couple years ago, he came back and was really only pitching a couple innings at the end of the season before the playoffs. I think they let him throw a little bit more to a four or five inning outing, but that doesn't do me any good. Uh, it just sucks. Cause obviously a guy that has totally put it together, a guy that I've watched develop a guy, you know, that had turned himself into a, you know, a top 10, top 15, not only just starting pitcher, but asset in this league, really. If you look at the age, the way he was throwing seven, eight innings an outing, getting 10 plus strikeouts an outing, uh, just, just sucks. Uh, I, I, it, we can get into the whole substance, foreign substance, tacky shit argument stuff later. Uh, it just, it sucks. And, but you know, this is the kind of thing in this league that just pitchers always carry more inherent risk. And more importantly, because, he was, he because was at, also, any moment, it, at any moment it can go. He was also involved in the first three-way trade, I believe in this league. And more importantly, no, there's been three-way trade. Yeah, there's been a, really, yeah. Okay, I traded I for yeah. Rizzo uh, many, many years ago as part of a uh, three-way. Okay. never mind. Yeah. Just, uh, just, and the funny, the funny part is it is with that injury two years ago, the reason why I was able to trade for him after his first kind of mini breakout was that, you know, Tommy John was very much up in the air at that point. Uh, or at least a distinct possibility. And so it's, it's funny that it just kind of, it, you know, you think you'll, you think you nailed it all right. And then, and then it ends up, you know, happening. I'm, I'm convinced he's going to eventually get it so at this point to put this, more into context, at least for your particular team, we're 10 weeks into the season. So on paper, you would have made about 90 starts so far. Now you might've missed one a week here or there, some 89, 88. You have 33 quality starts through your 90 uh, That's starts. Glad, what, Glass now has, a, has Glad, eight of them, nine yeah, of them? Nine of them. So yeah. nine of your 33. Uh, you're, you're and, sec- and I've struggled, my team has struggled, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and to put it more into context, too, I mean, the real, the one strength of my pitching staff is leaving the league in strikeouts. I've struggled yes. with quality starts. Glass now was doing both for those for me, uh, which was big. And, and the big problem with me and this team and the way the context is now is, you know, obviously I've been missing Gallon, but, and Freddie Peralta has been, been great for me, but it's like now everybody has to move up. Now, now, excuse me, Freddie Peralta has to be my best pitcher. Now, you know, Freddie or, Tyler Malley has to be my third best pitcher. I got to hope that Framber Valdez, I got I don't know. I got to hope Gallon comes back. I, who he may get Tommy John before this year is over. Uh, it, yeah. So it just, it, it just causes, it just causes a domino effect. I mean, there's just no replacing these, these type of guys that are, you know, your horses that can both light up the, the ratio stats, light up the innings, light up the strikeouts. Uh, just, just all of that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, uh, I had guys similar to that the last few years, Verlander and sale when Verlander was pitching 230 innings with 270 K's it's, he was like the third ranked player overall for the two years in a row. And, and glass now was putting up a year just like that this year. And, you know, it's, it's unreal what those guys can do, especially on a double start week. If you have one of them yeah. in the playoffs, it almost locks out, locks down several categories, innings pitched. K's for you right away. Like you said, you're leading the league in K's, but you're close to the bottom of the league in many other pitching stats. And it's really, you know, the strength of Freddie Peralta and Glass now as those one and two aces. So so Hosmer or Glass now going the next year, Goody. Who are you taking? 
Who are you keeping? I'm not, we're going to save that discussion for another pod. <laughs> so the, the timing of this is also interesting because if you got Tommy John right now, you know, Tommy John these days is like 15, 16th month, month recovery. It would still put him out the rest of this year and all of next year. He's gone next year. You can't, so, you, yeah, he's not going to, he's not going to, if, yeah. I mean, if, if he gets Tommy John today, he's not going to help you next year. I don't blame them so much for trying to rehab this. Like if he's can be good one of those. From the Rays perspective, it doesn't yeah. do them any good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, I'm not sure it does you any good, but you want him, you definitely want him to get Tommy John in like September, October, rather than next March or April when, you know, he tries to start throwing again in the spring because that's what happened to sale Thor Severino. And they're still, they're missing more than a year. They're missing a year and a half. You don't want that. You don't want this to go into 2023. Sales intentional though. The difference between Thor and sale they they intentionally are ramping him up slowly, expecting this to be a lost year. They were ex- expecting this not to be. A yeah. Very I, I don't know the way, the way I see it is that obviously, I mean, I have the luxury of our four aisle slots. I can hold him. He's, I, I consider him no good for me for the rest of the season. And then it's something for me to monitor in the spring next year. I think that's when the call would, will ultimately me be made. Uh, I, you know, I could even see a scenario where he comes back and pitches some in the playoffs and then has problems again in the spring and ends up getting Tommy John after that. Uh, I yeah, mean, get we'll, shellacked we'll just, we'll in the playoffs. Like that's yeah. kind of the sale. He, he was just yeah, yeah, nothing yeah. until they eventually just made the decision, pulled him through with it. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's one of those things that, I mean, there's nothing to do now about it. It's, there's a lot of unknowns. Uh, it just, it's, it's a blow for this year's team for the reasons I said, um, you know, just, I mean, I'm losing a, uh, a, a, an easily a top 10 pitcher, a guy that's carrying my staff and, and it reverberates down the line. The only good news is, is I did get some surprise good news. It looks like gallon will be back tomorrow to start actually on a limited start. So at least getting him back, uh, having Valdez come back from the injury where I kind of stole him, that helps me a little in the emergence of Freddie Peralta. So it's not all lost yet, but it's just uh, it's 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 obviously just a, a big blow for this year. And then, like I said, later on at the end of the year, next spring, then it becomes uh, a much harder decision from there. And so. I guess you've seen enough from glass. Now you're emotionally attached enough where there's no thought of, I know it's still just a few days after this happened, but trying to cash him in for some assets to help this year. I, I don't see me getting anything from anybody that would make it, uh, you know, I guess it would be similar would to the, the, that- the Thor trade that Housky did with, with Trevor uh, a few years ago where, you know, you get another starter, you get this, that, that, you know, because I mean, yeah, if I, if I were to be offered that, I mean, that would be, I, yeah, I, believe, I, 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 believe I would have to weigh it. Thor also wasn't an elbow injury when I got him. Yeah. Either. Thor was done for the year, but it wasn't a major, it was, like, it was, you know, yeah, it was like a lat. I think it was a lat actually is what I recall. Yeah. Correctly. Yeah. 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 A little different. Where, you don't know whereas remember, remember to less severity with glass. Now I traded what was essentially, excuse me, a fourth round pick and a sixth round pick to him, uh, to Ricky to get him. And that was when he just had a flexor strain that, could possibly be Tommy John. This is where confirmed a UCL tear. So yeah, you also kind of, I mean, I guess the only guy that would kind of make sense for a trade like that might be like Trevor or maybe Evan, but I don't even know if they have assets this year, assets though enough that would make you want to give up on. I just look yeah, like those, yeah. glass now. those two exact teams. Uh, yeah. And I don't think that they, you know, Trevor could offer Granky, but not much more because he's not going to give up Wheeler. Uh, so, and, and Evans has John means like, there's not much that, that's probably coming your way, yeah, but I, I don't think you have a, tr- a suitor that would make that trade work. Yeah. Glass yeah. now is a, I'd be, a tough keep. 
uh, especially if he misses all of next year. That that's a hell of a long time to carry a guy. If we yeah, expand I, the I, slots again, though, it's kind of a little easier, and that's kind of been talked about four or three for next year. I mean, yeah, that'd be another thing to weigh later. I I, I have another way to think about it as well. Of of I could see my team loading up and selling out my entire draft this year to try and fill those holes and then using next year as a reset in a way and just letting my, you know, younger players just try and carry it of, you know, Bichette, Devers, Alvarez, all being very, very young. Bobby Witt is going to be up next year and is going to be probably not great. You could look at it from that way of a load up with a reload the next year while you sit through that. Yeah, I think that's I actually but, thought about today. You, you have an issue with that, though. Again, this is this is the year of the buck. You don't have people that are going to probably sell in time for you to get those guys. I really believe that. You you might not have many people figure out. I, if I'm just saying, though, I, I could go table. in with that mindset of you, you could, but you need draft. people to deal with. I just don't think you're going to see a ton of people. There, there's always going to have people come up. Yeah. By the way, this is another to bring up a quick point, and we'll. I'm going to save it later for because we're talking about that topic later with Lance Lynn. Yeah. I mean, I think that so there's, I think, I think, I think we've kind of, we need to wrap this up. There's going to be plenty of people to trade with. I think that's a valid yeah, yeah. strategy. If you I, wanna, I think, yeah. If you want to take your shot this year, thinking that next year is just going to be a fallow year. I think that's an interesting strategy. Most people yeah, try if, to build, build their keepers and have that long streak, that window, but you're saying I've got a targeted, you know, opportunity here uh, with a team that's pretty good it, this year. And it obviously depends where I stand in a month. Uh, yeah. I get the I get the Brendan Perry duty run through these next three weeks. So nice. that very much determines my where I stand, where my team is. And then, you know, and from that point, I'll know if Gallon's healthy and ready to rock. Because uh, it's going to, if they're bringing him up, he only threw 46 pitches on Saturday. So it's going to take him two to three starts to build up to be what he was. So, you know, like I said, after that run through a stretch, I'll know where my team stands. And then you kind of make that call of how you want to approach this situation. So let's pivot here. Similar topic, Tyler Glass now, but again, this week, the last week or two, MLB has come out and they've, you know, put out a memo. Uh, They've put out direction where the umps are going to start policing the pitchers and the substances that they're going to start, that they have been using for many years now to increase their spin rate on their breaking balls. You know, if anybody is on Twitter pitching Ninja, you can see the crazy things that are going on these days with regards to breaking balls. You know, the movement is just insane. The the tunneling is insane. The pitchers are starting to like share pitch, you know, grips and things. And it's really to the point where pitching is far ahead of hitting. And MLB has decided to crack down to enforce rules that are already on the books, but they're doing it basically uh, mid-season. So, you know, I'm going to play a clip here. Um, you know, in the cut. So I'll do this for the the pod and we can continue talking of glass now talking for a few minutes here about how he believes that this crackdown directly contributed to this injury for him. Tyler, you were pretty frustrated about the ball last night. Just any more thought as to whether that may have kind of played a part in any of this or is, has that kind of entered your mind yet? Convenient and like, but I a hundred percent believe that contributed to me getting hurt. Uh, no doubt, without a doubt. Um, I think like it's it's ridiculous. I'm just gonna. I have used sticky stuff before. It's ridiculous that like it seems like this whole public perception of like, oh, just like select few people. Like your favorite pitcher probably 50 years ago was using something too. Like if you felt these balls, how inconsistent they were. Like you have to use something. So in the past, I my 
like substance of choice is sunscreen and rosin. Like just nothing egregious, something to where I can get a grip on the ball so it doesn't feel dusty. But two starts ago against the Nationals, I went cold turkey, nothing. And before that start, I remember when all this stuff came out, I was talking to people and talking to doctors. And they were like, the thing that maybe MLB doesn't realize or that players don't realize is like, what, what is the injury? Like, what, what is the prevention of like, maybe it'll add to injuries. And in my mind, I was like, that sounds dumb. That sounds like an excuse a player would use to make sure he can use sticky stuff. But I threw to the Nationals with nothing. I've never been – I don't use sticky stuff. to. I don't use spider tack. I don't need more spin. I, I have huge hands. I spin the ball fine. I want grip. I did well against the Nationals, probably one of the best starts I had all year. I woke up the next day and was like, I am sore in places that I didn't even know I had muscles in. Like, I felt completely different. I switched my fastball grip and my curveball grip. I've thrown it the same way for however many years I played baseball. I had to change. I had to put my fastball deeper into my hand and grip it way harder. And I had to, instead of holding my curveball at the tip of my fingers, I had to dig it deeper into my hand. So I'm like choking out all my pitches. My cue I used to use with Snyder was hold the ball like an egg, like nice and loose, be loose. That's out of the window. So I, I now have to develop a new cue. I have to develop something where I can't hold the ball light anymore. I have to dig it deep into my hand. So I'm taking it, and you have to think, I'm not a doctor. I know you guys probably know that. But I'm taking a, a fastball. I'm squeezing the ball twice as hard. So all of this is I'm recruiting all these muscles, and I'm taking my arm as hard as I can throwing the ball. So I'm going from, like, a flexed muscle to letting a ball go. And like I said, I was like, maybe it's not going to – I don't think it will lead to any injuries. But waking up after that start, I was like, okay, this sucks. Something is, is weird here. And then that same feeling is persisting all week long. And then I go into my start yesterday and that same feeling just, it pops or whatever the hell happened to my elbow. Like I feel it, something happens. And I, I'm, I'm sitting out there just like, you gotta be kidding me. And the whole day yesterday, I'm sitting there trying to get a grip on a ball and I'm not trying to blame anyone. I'm not trying to say like, oh, this is all MLB's fault. Like they got thrown into the situation too. They're doing the best they possibly can to navigate around this. They're trying to make this fair for people. I understand that, but you can't, whether you want us to not use sticky stuff or not is, is, is fine. Fine. Do it in the off season. Give us a chance to adjust to it. But I just threw 80 something, 70, whatever innings. And then you just told me I can't use anything in the middle of the year. I had to change everything I've been doing the entire season, everything out of the window. I have to start doing something completely new. And then I'm telling you, I truly believe that's why I got hurt. Me throwing a hundred and being six, seven is why I got hurt, but that contributed and so I'm, I'm just frustrated that, like, they don't understand how hard it is to pitch one, but to tell us to do something completely different in the middle of a season is insane. I just don't it's, – it's ridiculous. There has to be some give and take here. You can't just take away everything and not add something. Pitchers need to be able to have some sort of control or some sort of grip on the ball. And I, I just don't want things like this to happen to somebody else. I don't want a fastball to sail away and hit somebody in the face like it already has. So I just think, like, I understand you need to take an aggressive approach here, but, like, I just think people are going about it all wrong. And I'm sitting here, my lifelong dream, I want to go out and win a Cy Young. I want to be an all-star. And then now it's all just shit on because, I like, now it's over. And I can't – I and now I have to try and rehab to come back in the playoffs. So I'm clearly frustrated. It's just I think there needs to be a lot more – People need to, to figure this out. You can't just tell. So, yeah. We've obviously your, all heard it. Yeah. yeah. What are so, your thoughts on that? So my thoughts on that is, one, I assuming my whole thing is, one, I, I think Glass now is always a very interesting interview. He's a, I, I think he's a pretty smart and insightful guy. And I like how candid he was about using sunscreen and rosin. Uh, because my understanding from this is that's what's been used for, you know, the longest amount of time. And what really the development has been recently is, 
the spider tack and other substances combined with obviously having the technology to know exactly how it affects these balls, uh, like you were kind of alluding to earlier. And so assuming he is being honest and saying that he really was using sunscreen and rosin only, which I kind of am, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, giving that he is just such a physical freak that he probably doesn't need that stuff as much to, to do those type of things to a baseball. Um, I do think it will, this is now an interesting storyline to follow if there are more injuries. Now, I don't know if it would have impacted right away or if we would maybe see it go later on, but I think what he's saying about gripping the ball and these guys throwing a hundred miles an hour, you know, or, or just about that hard. I, I think, I, I think there may be something to that of having to grip it so hard. And by the way, Bieber, whose spin rates were also very far down, suddenly went on the IL, I believe with shoulder soreness. Uh, it'll be an interesting storyline to see if there are more injuries from this and baseball may be creating an even bigger problem for themselves. It could, it could be a part of it being recency bias. Is it one change you get hurt automatically? You want to blame the, the thing that yeah, was different from yeah. before, but there is one thing I pulled from Twitter. It's not quite as glamorous as a Reddit thread, but it was a, it was a random non blue check Mark basically said that the same muscles that contribute to grip strength also protect the UCL. So when they're fatigued, the UCL is more vulnerable. And basically, as Glasnow had said, he was gripping the ball harder than previous starts because, you know, even if it was just mental, he didn't have the, the feel of the ball he felt. That could could be a factor. I mean. And, and yeah, I will say from I was watching the start as I watch every one of his starts, you know, he he didn't – he was a little wild at points of, you know, and try, you could tell he was struggling to get the feel and grip on certain pitches and, and yeah. And I wonder if MLB comes in the next week or two and realizes they made a mistake, uh, you know, outlawing the the sunscreen and rosin combination, uh, because I think that that's probably a little too far. And many of the pitchers are saying, you know, we can't get control of, of these breaking balls, these fastballs. And I wonder if MLB maybe overstepped with their enforcement or at least their communication well, about the enforcement. And now they're going to take a step back. I'd be curious that that According happens. to Bassan's article on ESPN, he had sources from all empires basically said that the umpires asked that they could outlaw all substances at first to, to, in order to help them govern or this or, or administer this. It's rather than trying to figure out what's what it's easier for them to automatically say any substance you're out and then right. walk it back from there. Yeah. Interesting. It's, it's, I, I mean, like I said, I know, you know, this is mainly supposed to be about our league, but obviously this is a big topic to talk about, but I mean, my final kind of, my summary and thoughts on all this is this is just classic baseball of they ignore a problem for so long and then try to knee jerk fix it and probably make it even worse uh, because they've ignored it for so long. And I, I, that's just kind of my take from all of this. So the so classic, like, ho the classic homeowners. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Basically. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like you've ignored this for so long uh, and you let it build and build and build and more pictures. Until it breaks. These other yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> And now you're all of a sudden removing something that you've allowed to be in the game for probably decades, which is the sunscreen and rosin. And right. it's like, and all of a sudden it's like, how are these guys supposed to pitch? This is how they've been pitching their entire lives. Yeah. I think I, I think I saw someone, there was some article or it was where there was guys after the first inning coming into the, uh, the dugout saying, someone get me my spider tack. I just can't. Yeah. You know, like, I, saw, <laughs> I saw it too. Yeah. <laughs> no. And like I said, the spider tack and all that kind of stuff, I think is yeah. the newer development of this. Uh, yeah. And, and the other thing is like how hard, like you've seen people do these demonstrations with spider tack. 
how is it that you can't tell the difference between that and sunscreen? And two, how are you supposed to tell a guy that he can't have sunscreen and rosin's on the, <laughs> the bag anyway? Like, like I, you know, it's funny. I brought this up. I see Garrett Richards every start because I own him for a couple of times. The guy is lathered in sunscreen always, and he doesn't even try to hide it. He gives himself a nice rosin bath every inning. Yeah, like he, it's impossible he's not even to trying try. to hide it because he knows it's accepted by everybody. Yeah, there. yeah you, I mean ultimately okay. I'll be curious. I'll be curious, not only injury wise, but if some of these pitchers who have become elite in the last two or three years, take a step back, like it's the Garrett Garrett Cole, Trevor Bowers. Do they go from top 10 guys or top five guys to top 15, top 20? Obviously they're talented, but like this gave them even that more of an edge. And and exactly. And I think that's the real kind of interesting thing to follow in the fantasy. Now, I mean, I'm sitting, we're all sitting there. I'm sure every start with these guys, whether it's it's Corbin Burns, whether it's Shane Bieber, whether it's Garrett Cole, Bauer, you know, Glassdown, whoever. We're we're sitting there watching baseball savant looking at spin rates now for every, you know, every start now to see how much they're down and all of that. I, I think that there's the two interesting pieces. There's that, and there's like the potential injury piece side, like with the glass now thing, if that actually does become a trend. I did but. see a really cool graph on Twitter where there's like the last like five years or so, they basically tracked like the spin rate differences per like month. Right. And like the, the drastic change between May and June of these two, it was like absurd. It was, it was they go down anyway. off the graph. Right. Yeah, exactly. Go down anyway. But this one, it was like, I mean, it was like off the graph. It was like three, four times as much as, you know, five years worth of data before it was wild. Uh, one thing I have noticed though, uh, or two anecdotal things that I have absolutely no data to back up. This is just me watching baseball every night uh, because I can, because I don't have kids uh, <laughs> is that two things is one, like, you know, a few weeks ago, I remember we were texting and saying like, I'm just looking at box scores and every game was either zero, zero, one, nothing, you know, across the board. I was just like, man, this game is broken. And this is before MLB started enforcing shit. And in the last week or two, all of a sudden I'm like, okay, we're back to kind of normal baseball almost. And maybe it's anecdotal. Maybe it's the weather warming. I don't know. Uh, But then on the other side too, I've noticed a lot of hit by pitchers. I don't know if it's just players on my team when I watch their at bats, but I'm noticing guys get hit more, uh, which is something they've always said why they want these guys to be using some kind of grip because to keep feeling control. I, I think Alonzo even said that. I saw, I saw a stat on Twitter and they, they chose like an arbit- not an arbitrary date. They chose a, a date based on this news coming out. And prior to and after that, the hit by pitches were actually you know, relatively stable. So that might just be us noticing the hit by pitches a little bit more. Maybe that's they're more ag- egregious. Uh, but yeah, that, that's certainly something to keep an I, eye on. I remember I had, I feel like I had one of my guys get hit like three times in two days or something like that. It was just, once again, it was probably just by chance and anecdotal, like I said. Yeah. Yeah. And the, uh, I guess you texted me a few weeks ago uh, when duty pitched about 65 innings with an ERA of 1.28 and a whip of like 0.88. And you were like, something's wrong with, with pitching. Something's that, that's broken when, in our league. Yeah. That's when I was just like, it's broken in baseball of like, it, it was just, like I said, it wasn't just looking at our fantasy scores. I mean, our hitting has been, I mean, you know, the 700 OPS is the new, or is yeah. the old, is the old new old 800 or whatever, uh, where it's like, Oh, if I had a 750 OPS, I felt great. Uh, but it's also too just looking at box scores. Like I was sitting there some weeks of like, you know, my team would, I think the first day I played you, I went like three for 40 or something like that. <laughs> right. And it's like you, and you look at the box scores and it's like, oh yeah, shit, nobody scored today. So, uh, so I, I have at least felt like, I don't know if it's maybe my team's just hitting better now, but I feel like hitting has turned around a little bit. 
Yeah. And the summer months usually help with that a little bit as well. So it's more fun when everyone's hitting. I, I know it's fun when pitching is good as well, but not when these mediocre pitchers are throwing no hitters and yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's the thing. I, th- I think with this adoption, maybe it's too many guys had this elite stuff that otherwise shouldn't have, you know, by their own physical attributes or whatever. So let's uh, let's stay on that and uh, talk a little bit about our matchup goodie from two weeks ago. And then also some of the players that we've recently jettisoned. So do you want to talk about uh, the management debacle? Yeah, so definitely, I mean, partially advantage on my part, partial bad luck. Uh, I had, you know, I always say, you know, you always got to kind of keep a move in the chamber, so to speak, for unexpected stuff. However, I found out Saturday night uh, while I was drinking at Bottling Cork late that I had not one but two starts pushed back uh, all of a sudden, one of them being Tyler Glass now, the other one being JT Brubaker each of which I expected to start on Sunday. And I still had a move in case one of them was moved back, mainly because Brubaker was coming off bereavement. So I thought, you know, there always was a possibility that the glass now one hit me totally out of left field because he had already had an extra day of rest built into it. I, I have no idea why they pushed him back. I, who knows? Maybe it was had something to do with him trying to get used to throwing without, you know, sunscreen Spider-tack. and rosin. Yeah, it's, it's sunscreen and rosin and we're sticking to it. All right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I got screwed with only having to make a start short against you. Um, if I would have made that start and if it was Tyler glass now, uh, we would have had a five, five game. And I think instead I ended up losing what, seven to three, eight to three, something like that. Yeah. So you left, you left me on red too, by the way, when I was just trying to get Molly from you. <laughs> oh yeah. I got a yeah. I have duty a- text me. I don't worry. Duty also texted me asking for Raphael Devers. <laughs> Devers? What? <laughs> like my season's <laughs> over, which is basically what I said to everybody next pat. And duty thinks to text me, I left him on red. Hey, so uh is Devers available? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I like du- duty shoots the stars. You gotta give him Yeah, credit. yeah. There's a, a fun little uh sidebar to this. So while, while all that's going on and goodies, uh, pitchers are being pushed off their Sunday starts, uh, I'm asleep, but I get a, I get a text Saturday night at 10 26 that I'm a real piece of shit. That must be because <laughs> no. And actually, so I didn't mean you're a piece tweet, of shit. Texting. Yeah. So I didn't mean you're a piece of shit. I text that wrong because I was drunk at bottling cork. I meant to say you're a lucky piece of shit. Okay. A lucky piece yeah. of shit. It was just, it was, it was a Freudian slip or felt lack or force I, of habit. That I, I like said, the first real piece of shit. The first uh, version works just I, fine. I well, the, Yeah. The first version is what actually came through. So I wake <laughs> up at midnight to, for a feeding and I'm like, God, duties must, or excuse me, goodies out drinking probably at least he's not talking about my mom this time uh so i go on with my business and then i start thinking you know for the 3 a.m feeding that i'm up for maybe i'll pick up some of the streamers that you actually may be interested in picking up for sunday so i'm looking at the list i'm not doing that much analysis on it but i'm like i've got two moves left i don't have any more starts so i'm going to pick up the two guys that i think would be best the next day as streamers to kind of block you now, playing defense is probably not as good as playing offense. I could have picked up a reliever or an extra bat or something, get a few, maybe an inning from a reliever, maybe, and you know, an extra at bat or two if one of my guys sits on Sunday. But I decided to play defense. I picked up two guys, and then I wake up to a text from you. That says you're eight, a bigger piece of shit. At 8.30. <laughs> no, I said you did it wrong. That I did it wrong that you would never have pitched the two guys that I picked up and that I left you the best option for Sunday that you would have picked up Cal Crentrell anyway. And that 
I'm such an idiot. You moron. Now hold it, I'm hold laughing it right there. at you. Hold it right there. There was no, <laughs> and you lowered your probability of winning. It just still bounced your head. I had a low probability anyway. So all three of those guys were equal shots. And actually another guy who was left on the table, because I looked between Cal and then I looked at Sandoval. If I would have started Sandoval, he's the guy that would have flipped everything. The other two wouldn't have. And actually you cost yourself strikeouts by not throwing an extra reliever or two, which you could have done with those moves. All of those guys else being equal. I saw Quantrill, Mats, and the other one being, um, I forget who, but they were all, they were all, they were all shitty shots. All right. Classic case of not optimizing. So classic case of not optimizing. So I, you you actually did not optimize your choices there and you cost yourself tying strikeouts because even with the Quantrill blow up, you didn't get a relief appearance, which you could have had two shots at for strikeouts. So I thought I was going to be more in trouble on innings pitch than strikeouts. So that's where I was trying to play defense. And I saw Quantrill went like two innings or three innings the last time he went he was one out. and a third. Oh, oh yeah. In, in oh, no, 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 no. Last, pri- yeah, the last that, time he was, he was out was, he was his limited. first start. Yeah. So I was like, you know, here's a guy who's probably only going to pitch a few innings. That's what I want to, you know, leave uh, Goody with. And there's a few other options. But again, like I said, 3 a.m. But I woke up again to such an aggressive set of texts from you. I was like, what the hell? And, and you said all that like so aggressively. And then I was out shopping at Costco and I'm just refreshing my, uh, my screen looking at this start and Quantrill just gets destroyed. And I'm like, what do I say to Goody? Like he just, he set himself up and I didn't but say the, the point that- is you're, you're taking the results by stuff. But the point is all any, if you're going to play defense like that, if there's a one clear guy, the point is, is any of those four guys that were out there, you pick two of them. They were all the same shot. Oh, I think Steven Matz is way better than Quantrill. But Matz didn't do any good. He didn't get the quality start. Now you're doing results by results. I'm uh, I'm saying they all had the equal shot is, and you limited your, if you're, if all of those guys are equal and you can't pick up all four of them, then maximize your own with innings and strikeouts. Yes. I mean, picking up a reliever. You're you're not, you're not going to tell me that this was the optimal strategy for And that was the thing you're, you're burning two roster spots to try and play defense when you can't play defense this i, I don't know i just i, I know what you're saying i know you thought saying. it was i i thought it was ridiculous uh she got quantrill some spider tech that's that's what you should have done <laughs> that's all right I you, fun you left out two you left out two pitchers pitching against the mariners and the orioles i just picked the wrong one right is all it was it was heads or tails on those two matchups and and you left them both for me anyway so Moving on to guys that we've dropped recently. Uh, you dropped DJ LeMay, who, who you traded for uh, a first and second round pick at the start of the year. Uh, what led to that, that kind of drop? Because it's not like your, your first base, your infield is, is really kicking uh, all that much. Why, why jettison DJ at this point? Well, that's a case of suckitis. Uh, yeah, it was just kind of one of those, it gets to a point of like, I don't even care if he's good anymore. I was tired of watching him tap out to second base. Uh, and unlike <laughs> the Yankees, I'm not tied to him for five years. So <laughs> it was just a cleanse that had to happen. And I, the, the other thing is I, I do think, look, he, I think it came, there's a couple of factors. I just, I deep dove him for a little while. He's one was probably a part product of the juice ball, obviously, um, you know, I made the bet that, like I said, I made the bet on the last pod that that wasn't really going to come to fruition and fuck Manfred for calling it. Uh, 
and you know other things are strikeout rates up now he still doesn't strike out a lot red with the rest of the league but this is a time when these type of players can they rely on not striking out an elite level or making contact an elite level so if that goes down a little bit you're not making it up on the other side with the batted ball data um which dj was never a huge strength on necessarily and dead ball and the fact that i my team has struggled for power i even if dj go is good dj he's not going to hit for power in this league i'm convinced like so what if he bats 285 the rest of the season for me from first base? That's killing me. My team's lacking for power. So I went ahead and, you know, I, I think I picked up Josh Bell for him or whatever. And it's like, uh, okay, at least I'll take some whatever home runs that Josh Bell's going to get me. I have other guys on my team that'll hit for average. He's he's is, finally, uh, he's finally slugging more than his on base, finally. By point, he hit a home, point point he hit a home run the day I dropped him. God, it's sad. This is his profile. So sad. DJ is a guy you want to play probably at second base, maybe third base, but you're right. First base, you have to get some power from that because. And, and I had plenty so of other middle infielders to play in there. Um, so it just kind of, you know, it, it kind of cycled down. I was ready to, ready to just kind of move on and cut my little, excuse me, cut my losses. And the COVID 2020 where he batted 360, you know, there's just going to be so many stat lines from 2020 that are just weird that never get reproduced just because of the type of season that it was. Yeah. So, uh, so, so, so the next guy got dropped. It was uh, curiously soon after our podcast with Victor Robles. It's about two the, the, days after. Did that have anything to do with it? I'm just curious. Not really. Harper came off the DL and it was, I had an extra outfielder. Uh, so Robles like sucks as a hitter. Yes, he's, he does very much so. So, you know, I Great certainly fielder. certainly recognize that. So he sucks. He doesn't hit the ball. He doesn't strike the ball well. Like his batted ball uh, statistics, his X stats are all very poor. Now you can, you can be an okay fantasy player that way. If you can bat, you know, 260 and steal 35 bags a year while hitting 15 home runs. That's, that's like the dream, like 15, 35 batting 265, 270, that would have made him a good fantasy player, like top 100, top 120. So that's you know what you want out of Victor Robles, keeping him. So that's one of the reasons that I kept him. Uh, and I think many people projected him for that type of season. He was, you know, O-rank, whatever, top 100 or close to 100. Uh, but he just never hit for any power. Like at this point in the season, you would want him to have like four or five home runs. So that he could be on pace for the 13 to 15 home runs. And he has none. Still uh, has zero. That's wild. He came off the, the DL for me. Uh, he was and really close to hitting one last night. It went just foul. Warning track power. He basically had like an O for 20 stretch. And at that point, it was just like, there's there's no way that I can continue to, to roster him, especially after trading for like Grossman. Uh, and then with Trout and Harper on the horizon, Otani is going to get outfield eligibility probably in like late August, hopefully uh, before our playoffs. So like my outfield was full. I didn't need to take the chance on Robles anymore. How many times did you offer him to Perry before you dropped him? Uh, none. None. Okay. Most Just of the curious. time, most of the time I offered him to Brendan for basically nothing. Uh, <laughs> Brendan claimed a rookie for me a few weeks ago uh, and asked for a 12th round pick, uh, which I was happy to give to him. But prior to that, he actually claimed Corbin Carroll for me uh and robles was going to be the the trade for that so i was basically just trading robles for like the equivalent of like a 10th or a 12th round pick so basically nothing uh but then corbin carroll got uh hurt was out for the year so that kind of fell through 
so yeah, ultimately I ended up with my rookie for a 12th round pick and just drop Robles because you know I couldn't afford to roster him anymore. That's the right move. And yeah, I actually, I did pick him up. I don't know how long he'll be on my team. Uh, mostly just, it was, it was mainly driven because in Mook's matchup, I wasn't going to win any hitting against him. And I knew that by the time that Robles hit free agency. Uh, and so I was looking for just some speed where my team is lacking to try and I ended up tying steals. I think Robles had one of them. So that did work out. Uh, but yeah, he's just kind of a, like he'll plug in at he, the bottom of my roster for he now, doesn't even hit for empty at like he doesn't even hit 260 and steal a bunch like he's hitting 200 he's hitting 230 yeah, yeah like, no i yeah he had a really enough. bad stretch yeah. uh he's actually been hitting okay the last week since i've had him uh he I, he's a guy that i think is just you know there's typical i don't compare him the same to boxing as carlos gomez because he actually has way better plate discipline than them but like i think he's one of those guys that is just going to I think at some point he's going to hit good enough to be league average and, and then run bases and that will make him valuable, but that's probably going to be Victor Robles at 27. And, you know, he's been up since he was 21 or 22 is the problem. And so it's, you know, to, for that best version of him, I think he's that he's, he's, he's already had a hits. thousand at bats, man. He's already had yeah, a thousand yeah, it's at insane. bats. I, I mean, he's, like, only, he's only 24 years old. I, I mean, that's a large sample. Already. And it is, and it is because I watched nationals games a lot. Obviously he's, fantastic in center field uh he's great guys get better he came up with a hit tool of 70 like that was one of that and his defense and his speed were his major calling cards so i agree with you like i think at 26 27 28 he might pull like a buxton now obviously not what buxton is doing i don't think with the same kind of tools exactly but i i would think like a uh almost almost like a denard span type but with more speed i think back in the day starlin Marte is basically the like what you want for him. Yeah. yeah, yeah what, or what that. you want out of, uh, out of Robles. And it's just, yeah. not, it's just the, not happening unique, this year. The, the one unique thing with Robles is like, unlike a Marte or where they're aggressive swingers, and maybe this is why he doesn't have as much power. Cause those guys were more aggressive swingers. Like he actually does. He sees the plate very well. Uh, he just, you know, I don't know. Maybe he stays back too much as an aggressive enough. I don't know. I mean, he's walking 10% this year, but prior to that, he walked like 5% the past yeah. two or three years. So like he's seen yeah. it a little bit better this year. Uh, it's just, his batted ball is his X stats are just so bad. Like his expected batting Terrible. average is two twenty five. Uh, so yeah, he, somehow he's overperforming. He's he's overperforming <laughs> I mean, at two thirty four. That's absurd. We don't need to spend too much time on him, but like that's the reason I kept. Yeah, him. we can move on. I, yeah. I'm starved for speed until Bruhan comes up. He's basically just a placeholder for Bruhan. I've been in first place or at the top of the standing, so like I felt like I could take a chance on him. I could take a chance and continue to take a chance on Snell. So like I can hold these guys for a little bit and I'm not struggling trying to like make the playoffs uh, at least at this point. So that's my feeling on, on keeping some of those guys, maybe a little bit longer than maybe you guys would have. Yeah. Cause you're super lucky. Ne- yeah. Super lucky every single year. Housekeep. Uh, <laughs> this year I got stats to back it up. So uh, super two deadline minor league stashes uh, who now that we're entering June uh, into late June, early July, this is when the super two deadline passes MLT MLB teams, not only get that extra year of control, but they also get that extra year of arbitration uh, from a player. So they don't have to pay them as much Uh, pretty famous cases like Chris Bryan in the past, but now we should be seeing some minor leaguers come up. Uh, we've got a few that we listed off here. The first one got promoted just this week in, uh, in Jesus Sanchez, maybe Jesus, but uh, Jesus. So uh, I saw that Brendan picked him up. I think that's a great 
team to have a player and, like this. And more, more interestingly, like I was, when I saw him picked up by Brendan, I'm like, Oh shit, I want, I would have stashed him if I knew it was in free agency. And then it turned out he had just recently been dropped by bill. Cause I had assumed yeah. bill owned him and I wasn't wrong about it, I guess. Uh, and it's funny, bill owned him for like a month. And then right before the point where with a little bit of research, it was very clear to be known. He was coming up this week. I mean, he was the one guy that I felt like was the most tele is was very telegraphed that he'd be coming up soon. Now it turned out that I guess Dickerson got hurt. I don't know if it was a coincidence, but I had read a couple of places that the Marlins were just waiting for super two to bring this guy up. And I don't know if he would have played full time maybe right away, but, and he's just playing full time now because of Dickerson. But I, I thought it was interesting that he dropped him like, you know, days before pretty much he was being called up. Yeah. And this is, you know, for the bottom three teams, the the Brendan, Duty, uh, Perry, this is the exact type of player that you want to be stashing at this point of the year. Like why uh, why Duty and, and Josh don't have guys like this is a little bit beyond me. Uh, obviously, Josh has Wander in a rookie slot, but at this point, spending a, a roster spot on a, a stash not the worst idea. Uh, and this is and this is exactly what happened. I remember. Two years ago, Yordan uh, Alvarez yep. got called up exactly at this point in June by the Astros, uh, and I had stashed him back probably about the time when Bill stashed Jesus Sanchez. Uh, you're right, like you're saying, these are the type of guys that you know if you are at the bottom. Now Bill isn't in that position, so you know roster crunch, different kind of scenario. But uh, but yeah, those kind of guys that you, you have to stash because you can get really good players here, uh, and it's almost easier because if somebody would have claimed him back in may everybody would have researched him and somebody else would have probably claimed him so knowing you're only a month away it's a lot more efficient just to throw him on your roster and 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 hold on brendan is definitely figuring out how to be a bottom team gotta give him credit he's definitely he's been he's been doing some things that you know we've kind of all learned over the years just over the year wait, he's but he starts wait till we get to an item later right. yeah i agree but I, I i'll still defend that trade still actually but we'll get to it uh. but you know, being a bottom team almost, and Goody, you've been a bottom team somewhat recently, and you can talk to this, it almost is freeing in a way because you don't have to like optimize every single roster spot. For yeah, you're competing. not wasting, you're not wasting four roster spots on relievers or whatever, or, you know, burning your moves, trying to plug in a hitter to get an extra steal or a home run on Sunday or Thursday or Monday or whatever. It's, it's just, it's a, you you just are able to take up way more just searching for guys and holding them and seeing what they are. And then, and then, you know, kind of weighing and sorting it out. Approach. I think he's been more creative than, than Perry's been in the last three years for well, sure. I yeah, mean, my, de- my desk is more creative yeah, than Perry. That's fair. And, and Brendan, Brendan moved a lot of pieces this year. Uh, not, to so get, not to take away from Brendan. You're right. Brendan is doing a good job of, of adapting to that and doing that. Yes. Yes. And, yeah. There are, there are teams, you know, if you look at some of the people that finish at the top of the league, and again, Goody is a great example, I would trust them to be excellent bad teams as well, to take advantage of all those opportunities. And the teams that are historically bad, again, Josh and Duty, don't necessarily take advantage of those opportunities. So they stay bad for you know a long while at this point. If Josh finishes last four years in a row, I don't know what we I don't know what we do at that point. Do we get Kyle Simpson back in the league? I mean, technically yeah, by I the mean, old by the old rules, he should be redrafting his team. <laughs> yeah that right? was the dumbest Jesus. thing ever though yeah i'd rather i'd that, rather just boot somebody before that it's that was pure, like yeah pure socialism trading, i mean listen there's a, I, I say this all the time and i repeat it every single year there are so many mechanisms the way our league is structured the way 
the fact that we have eight keepers, the way you can trade draft picks, the way our rookie system is limited to two rookies. There are so many mechanisms if you're a bottom team to build assets on your roster, potential assets. Now, yeah, you, you know, you're building a lot of lottery tickets and you got to kind of weigh them out. You got to watch them develop and so to speak and make choices, but there is so many mechanisms to acquire talent that it, it shouldn't, you just, if you, if you have any kind of a strategy of how things work, it, it should be relatively easy to at least start to add town and get yourself at least at least the point the arrow north although i mean exactly you could, yeah you could arguably say he does i mean he's got he's got vlad he should have wander just can't seem to figure out but, pitching but let's talk about you know bruhan he's josh has the number one waiver i think number one if not top three and like bruhan had an excellent start like that's possibly a guy that you use that waiver on and instead goody gets him with a, a middle middle waiver um and then Grayson or, Rodriguez just got claimed. Just and he just got named the number one prospect by Baseball America, and that's literally like I followed him a little bit. And once that happened, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to throw him through, and I'll roster him for a, a, a you know a month until people figuring this out. Soon, Bruins come up, and Evan got him with like the ninth waiver. Like nobody, yeah. you know, well, nobody above them wanted to take him. So I looked this up. The last fancy pitcher that came up, it was a rookie. It actually, was fancy relevant. Was Thor in 2015. That's uh, that's actually a fact. So I mean, like, I don't necessarily blame anybody for for passing on. Yeah, Grayson. but when this but the, when this league started, the top two prospect pitchers who went in the waiver order were Clayton Kershaw and Max Scherzer. Now Max Scherzer, they each took time, but I mean, the point is, is that Kershaw was terrible for at least a couple of years. He wasn't awful. I mean, Scherzer was the only one that actually sent back to the minors. Kershaw was serviceable in that he struck guys out. Was a little. He wild was walking the world though. He wasn't. Yeah, sure. yeah, we're he never was, be sure if you were going to. But he wasn't. He wasn't unrosterable. Is what I'm saying. Is that it, you know pitchers, no matter what, you are stuck for a longer investment cycle and all that, and then and then they just tear their. And here's the thing. Anyway, like Tyler that Glass. Do, now you're right. That doesn't even matter because Josh is planning on taking uh, lighter anyway. So like he's, uh, and and that was the more interesting thing is like yeah. how do you weigh these guys? Okay, great. Like somebody like Grayson Rodriguez, who's just been named the number one prospect by scouts, who's his scouting numbers. His numbers are great. He's having a fantastic season. He's doing it at double A right now. How do you, how is that, how are you going to say rocker and lighter is better than see, him? see rocker and lighter? They could be anything, it could be a boat. Right. Yeah. You, that's you know how much point. we wanted one of those, Lois? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but like, that's, that's the point though, is like, how i don't know that's what I, that was the other thing i thought about it when nobody claimed him it's like everybody's sitting there waiting to get rocker or lighter or whatever and it's like how do you what track record is going to tell you that these guys are any better than grayson rodriguez no i agree with that i definitely that's just like a hype machine where the grayson hype machine i guess really hasn't taken off like it should be on twitter or something i don't know you're not seeing the the the, uh, the replays on twitter as much as you are you, seeing you know what, you lighter, know, my real plan for grayson rodriguez was futures game because I was yeah. going to hold him through that and futures game. If he wasn't up by then, he looks great. Then Keith law puts him to the top of his list. And then half the league wants his dick. But you, that's, that's you know true. It's not just Grayson Rod Rodriguez. There are probably two or three other pitchers that I would love to claim right now. If I didn't have two, uh, two spots uh, filled, but Josh should be offering 10th, 12th round waiver you know, picks to these guys to fill his rookie slots. I, I'm not how, sure why people aren't doing that. There's how is like, talent out there. How is Nate Pearson? I don't understand how Nate Pearson didn't even get rostered or stashed by either of these guys either. Yeah, he had a bad startup setup. I don't think like, I don't think he's I don't think he's gonna be healthy. For he just pitched. He just pitched 90 pitches. I'm just saying, just it's it's another guy that's gonna pitch this year. You never know what he could be. I don't understand yeah. how some of these guys aren't at least. I, I think I think the thing is is people are 
maybe people are a little more turned off by pitchers and they will be until one gets a hype machine of, like I said, a good futures game and a, and a write up by some major writers or something, you know? I mean, there, there are five teams with open rookie slots right now. And I could think of five rookies to fill the, fill them immediately. And I don't know why these teams aren't, aren't again, giving basically 12th round draft picks. For... It's, the, it's the fallacy of thinking you have to be at the top. You have to get like a keeper. Like that's a lot of people's mindset. If I use the number one waiver, I need to get a keeper or bona fide star out of this. It's like, no, you need to use both. Like rookies, you need to double up. You never know which ones. I, I like Zach Veen way more than Noah Marty. That's the guy who blew the hell up because you just, you need to stack these things. I mean, the, that's the my point. The point being though is you should always have these slots fill what I think is yes. exactly. You need to have saying. as many. You should always have two ones in there. You know, two full yeah. ones in there. And and for somebody like a Perry or Brendan, you should probably have more. I mean, when I was down, I ran multiple guys through the slots and I rostered one or two, and I just waited to the end to figure out which one I wanted a rookie keep because I had three or four guys eligible for it. I don't disagree. Yeah. So we'll see if Wander comes up and adds with Vlad to be a one-two combo for, for Josh. But I just don't know if he's got the basic tools to compete in this league anymore with, you know, how we've evolved, how many of the managers have evolved. 14 team, that's, 14 team league. That's too. an interesting strategy, by the way, is to, is to keep just using the 14th waiver and maybe you get six guys that you can stash on your team. Yes. They're all rookie eligible. It, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. actually a really I mean, interesting you don't, strategy. You don't have to take it to that extreme, but yeah. basically that. It's you wait and watch their performance over Well, no, year. you could just claim and six guys and just keep rostering what, them. That's like, what ro- I mean. Claim you're, roster, you're, claim roster, claim. And exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then you could just hold all year, and you're pretty much just watching the minor leagues. And at the end of the year, you decide which ones you want to rookie keep, and maybe you even regular Not, keep one or two of them too. Gotta like, keep that in mind next time in the end. I never even thought to do that until right now. I mean, now. think about it. Duty, Duty kept Marco Gonzalez this year. Why? Why wouldn't he just run some rookies through? And you know yeah. the the hype of all the lists come out in you know February and March, and you know so and so is a top prospect. If you own six of these guys, you can wait to see how it shakes out. You know, next in year. February and March, the next yeah. year, yeah. because they're on your roster, and you don't have to choose your not only your keepers but also your rookie. Uh, since they're all rookie eligible, how you're filling your rookie slots as well. So, yeah, that's for, uh, Fernando Tatis. Actually, an interesting strategy. Yeah. Fernando Tatis was having a really good year at the end of the year before he went unclaimed, and then you know, so he was a nothing that anybody could have claimed before September 1st that year, and then all of a sudden going to the next one. Now it turned out it was a hype. You know, Otani came over, so that was a big deal. But it's like, you know, and Albies was a was another one too. But it's like that just happened to be a little one. But it was like he was a consensus top guy to get all of a sudden. What? Yeah, I was his own. That was the only difference. He was up, up I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was the difference. So let's talk a, a little bit about some of the trades that have gone down um, many, many weeks ago in some cases. Uh, wanted to revisit the Lance Lynn for Luis Castillo trade between Brennan and Pat. And I put this on the list because I just played Pat. I just played Lance Lynn. And, and Pat had a really good pitching week. I had a good week. And he just beat me in almost every category. And I was thinking about it, you know, Lance Lynn is the type of pitcher that you add as a competing team. He makes your team much better, but you know, I've been competing the last several years. Anytime somebody adds a pitcher like that, I think to myself, you know what, this is going to happen, but at least they gave up picks. They gave up young players. They gave up a first, a second. I have that. I have that ammunition too. I can go out and get those types of players with that same, you know, pick uh, that I can give up in this case, Pat didn't give up much of anything. He up Luis Castillo, who maybe had a good start recently. Maybe he's going to turn it around, but like he was a zero for Pat. Pat gave up someone who was a zero for Lance Lynn and Pat retained his first, second, third, fourth, fifth round pick to go get more 
you know, at the trade deadline, it Pat's pitching is very scary. No, no, it's scary because it's really good. And then he added Lance Lynn, who's a unique player in himself and that he's just going to pile on innings and all that. And that's, there's two aspects to this that, and we've talked about this a little bit, but it's like one, it's like, you can't go out and get a Lance Lynn. Like I was going to say with glass now, now Brendan originally at the beginning has asked me about would I trade Bobby Witt for Lance Lynn? And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be competing this year. So I, I can't tell you that yet right now. I would be seriously weighing trading Bobby Witt for Lance Lynn to replace Tyler Glass now or trading Glass now and some other pieces for Lance Lynn or, or, you know, I would be weighing things of, all right, I'm in the middle of the pack. I need Lance Lynn right now. And so there's that aspect of that. I can't go out and get a guy like that because there's not another pitcher like Lance Lynn available to get to the point of Housky saying, I can't buy everything with it. Now I can buy other things, but I can't buy something like Lance Lynn. The other piece of this is that in the Castillo thing, you, he paid what would be considered for at the beginning of the year. If you were to trade Castillo for Lance Lynn, I think we would all say that made sense. It's a wash. Right? Yep. Yep, yep. It's a wash because, okay. Lance Lynn, we think is a little better, safer, but he's older and Castillo's a little younger. Brendan paid full price for Castillo while he's struggling. And I know it from when I owned Paddock, when he was struggling and some trends were going or, you know, Evan swap Corbin, we've all traded pitchers for that point when pitchers are struggling it is full on panic. You think you you're holding it and you a lot of times are like you're holding Blake Snell right now and you right. couldn't trade him to anybody right. right now. And so Castillo was on the beginning of that downward trend and then you pay full price. It's uh, to me, that's the big, that's the really big problem. The first problem is, is that he could have held out till July with somebody like this and gotten something really good from somebody who really, really needed him, And, you know, who would have been desperate for it. You know, I know Mook doesn't do this trade, but in a, a different manager owns, owns Kalenic right now, and he struggled after Mook. You offer up Linda Kalenic to any other manager who owns Kalenic other than Mook. I bet you they pull the trigger and do the deal. Just like me, I'd consider it would have considered it with Wit. You're gonna get a better deal in July. I know Brendan's mindset was, oh, I'm rebuilding. I'm not gonna have Lynn next year, or he's not gonna be in my pictures, so I just need to get rid of him. But you need to think about what his value is to everybody else. So Zip, Steamer, and Bat all predict Lance Lynn to have. Her- the rest of the season ERA close to four. But, but that's what's but but most of those projection systems, even the best pitchers are like 3.4, yeah, 3.5. Like they're, yeah, they, they're they, all... they kind of just do mean reversion True. to be conservative safety. I mean, the guy ha- the, the guy but, was pumping seven innings to start and he's at a what like a one-two ERA. But I'm just I'm just saying, like, there is also I'm just trying to just to, to highlight there is a downside to potentially holding him too. So if he gets rocked three or four straight starts. Well, you traded him for a guy, you're trading him for a guy who was already struggling. What's the? I, I agree. I mean, maybe maybe he should have probably gotten a little more with that deal. But I I still don't have an issue with the deal by itself. Eno Saris just tweeted today that the four uh, um, uh, Luis Castillo's four seam fastball is now officially above average when it comes to stuff plus. And actually, oh, yeah, he looked said, he looked great again. He looked, I watched his start yesterday. Back. Looked great. That was his exact thing. He's back. So you know, you might be just predict. You know value in this trade on too too small of a sample as all i'm saying but also we got cj and it could still work out for him okay I, that's I, my I point that's my point yeah i mean I, maybe i i'm not a huge fan of castillo even when he's his original self you know i think he's got a relatively short track record it's not like he's a bona fide ace so i don't know i and i but he just, was a top 10 pitcher, 15 pitcher coming this year. I mean, that I don't think that's quite arguable. Like by the numbers, at least 15. I don't know if I, 15, I, I wouldn't have had him that high. Maybe top yeah, I, maybe. like top 25. 
Yeah, I think, yeah, more. I, I, yeah, he's somewhere between 15 and 25. So much like you may have offered Bobby Witt, you know, he and I, uh, Brandon and I had serious conversations about Julio Rodriguez, who, you know, has pretty much blown up uh, hype-wise as well and and probably would have been a better deal at this point. Uh, but we'll see how it works out for Brendan. Uh, having just played Pat, it became all too real to me that Pat had not given up much of anything and Lance Lynn made his already great pitching staff that much better. So one of the crazy uh, Lance Lynn stat, he's leaving on base 91% of batters. Yeah, but runs. he has a, so, so what? 91 so, so that normalizes and he has a two and a half ERA then instead of a one, two, like what's your, like what, what's your there, point? There is downside to what he's doing right now. I think if you, you know, there's easily, once he goes two or three bad starts, how, what, what's the, uh, what's the, the mindset of people trying to trade for a 34 year old Lance Lynn at that point? Cause he gets innings. He, he, he's one of the few guys that's going to pump innings too. He's, he's, is the other thing like for, I just I don't I, I don't feel I, like I just I don't I don't, I don't I don't I'm I don't, with I don't, you. I don't see like, it as, I don't see this as, as egregious trade like you guys do that's that's where and that's kind of where I'm at well okay we'll, we'll see how it plays out on. Pat's, <laughs> so one other trade that Pat was involved in and I think this is somewhat interesting because I was involved in it is the Brandon Crawford for uh Grossman trade this was a scenario where I basically had four shortstops and I needed to trade one of them, uh, needs a strong word, but it would have been better for me to trade one. And I, I reached out to a few people that I thought could use a shortstop starting with duty. Uh, again, I offered him Crawford for his fourth best closer, uh, which he probably should have taken immediately. Uh, but he didn't because he's duty. And he thinks that if he loses a trade to me, you know, it's going to be the end of the world. Um, so instead, the only people that really need shortstops were, were Pat that was competing. Shortstop's pretty deep this year. Everyone's got a really good shortstop, if not two. Uh, so I reached out to Pat. I needed outfield. We kind of found these two guys that might be oranges, uh, but are both doing well for this year and and made that swap. And I think it helps my, my roster to better, better be balanced between infield and outfield. And I think it, it helps Pat even more. I think if anything, this was a better trade for Pat, but I was kind of in a situation where I had to do the trade and couldn't find anybody else to, uh, to take me up on it. So, uh, yeah, just make Pat Pat's team stronger. Yeah. My, my take on it was, I thought, like you said, it was kind of a swap of oranges. Now Crawford, you know, you look at him more and he has shown significant improvement in batted ball data, uh, you know, just barreling the ball, um, and, and all that at a much higher rate as a lot of the giants have somehow, whatever they've done. Uh, on the other hand though, it's like, you know, my initial thought was, I feel like we, I ha we have seen stretches of Brandon Crawford. Now it's, this has been longer than it ever has before. I've seen stretches where he's really good for a month and then kind of tails off. Uh, Grossman, like you said, is just outfield has been harder to fill out a little bit. Uh, he adds the aspect of he walks and runs. So, you know, those, those kind of compliment in that aspect. I mean, it's funny. I feel like Robbie Grossman is basically giving you what you were hoping to get from Robles this year. It's yeah. true. Is, is basically the, the way it kind of works out. Uh, so, so yeah, that's my take. He's going to be my fourth outfielder after Otani gets outfield eligibility. So going Trout, Harper, Otani, any has Otani actually played outfield yet? Yeah, he's he's had uh, I think field, five I, I think five uh, appearances. Five not, five not, means he would be eligible. 
No, five starts means you're eligible. He's had five uh, appearances. Ten, so, yeah, ten, yeah, ten appearances or five starts. When he, so, when you're, he, so you're telling me you're telling me Jordan Alvarez is closer to outfield eligibility than Shohei Otani. Possibly. So it's Jordan is one start away and he's had four starts, two in the last week. Otani also pitches, though, to be fair. He actually does something <laughs> else, you know. So this is Joe Madden getting creative. Yeah, Jordan doesn't have knees. That's true. But this like unlocks so much for me because having a utility only player sucks. Like if Otani had outfield, I would have just kept Brandon Crawford and played him utility and like played the better player uh, compared to to Grossman. You've kind of seen that coming. So it's happening so slowly. I, I have seen it coming, uh, but it's happening too slowly. Like I'm I'm literally benching a top 100 player every night prior to that because I just couldn't couldn't play them. Yeah, I, 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 I had Marcus Simeon. I had Jazz. I had Carlos Santana. I had Rizzo. Mondesi, I mean, but like Jazz, and, Jazz has been like day to day every other day. Uh, you know, like that 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 has helped, I would say, to a degree. Uh, having some guys who are out, but like they're all stellar. I'm not trading Jazz because I think he's going to be Jazz, a keeper. Okay, I was going to ask if Jazz. It's funny that Mondesi goes on the shelf and then Jazz is like another Mondesi. It was so funny because I Jazz was just filling in a hole until Simeon got uh, second base eligibility for me, and then Mook, God bless Mook, Mook sent me the uh, the Spider Man meme where it's two Spider Mans pointing at each other like they're the same <laughs> Spider Man, and he yeah. just said uh, Mondesi and Jazz Chisholm. And at this point, Jazz was I'm no I'm not I mean I'm I will claim to be smart in many uh, cases, but it was lucky that I picked him up because I didn't know anything about him. He was just going to be a filler guy for a few weeks. And Mook sending me that meme made me like rethink, okay, maybe I should hold on to this guy just for a little bit. (laughs) And then he went off and I'm like, now I'm so excited. Jazz is one of my favorite players. He's got blue hair. He's got cool shoes. He does like the Euro stuff. He really is just another Mondesi. And like, that's awesome. In a good way in fantasy. Yeah. Like it's... Yeah, yeah Mondesi could be I a think, shitty hitter, but like he's an excellent fantasy player. I mean, I think from the same point, like we could see a stretch where Jazz just doesn't hit shit for a month easily. He, he, and he he did have that stretch, uh, striking out thirty three percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's two, two or three that. weeks ago, and then you know the last week he's been hot again. So like, I don't know. He's twenty some years old. He he swaps in for Robles or whoever. I'm Snell if I'm not keeping them. So. Uh, I'm pretty excited about him. So I had Expect, a crunch. Expecting batting after Jazz is 228, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but his slugging is really high. He he was walking earlier in the year. And again, it's that power speed. Like if a guy is going to hit 15 and steal 25 or 30, like that plays Yeah, yeah. And lot. the other thing is the speed drives Babbitt, which he can outplay that a little. No, but <laughs> that's why they are the exact same guys, Monacy. I, I, I look at this. is This is like looking at Monacy's line of fan graphs. No, it really is. How same, is yeah, this guy same. doing this for so long? It doesn't make sense. And uh, there's, there's to me, there's like stolen bases are kind of something that you either have or you don't. And I always have them. And it's awesome because you can have a great hitting week and win five of six categories and not win steals. And it can really hurt you. So if you can do like the clean sweep, if you can compete in steals and saves, those are kind of like the, the toss up categories each week. Uh, so I really value having that, uh, stolen base potential. This this is my first year at steals. And I have to say, I don't want to ever go back. It's, it's just encouraging to know that it's one of the main, it's one of the main reasons I wanted Bruhan. I mean, he's running wild and he always has run wild. And it's why I, you know, after I had to drop him when Pearson came up and, or got put to NA or whatever it was, I, you know, I claimed him back as he showed it. It's, you know, I, I can't wait until I'm actually, I want them to be postponed to get the whole 250 PAs things, but I kind of can't wait for Witten him to come up because they both have been stealing bases. And for once, 
I haven't had speed since I had Braun and Carlos Gonzalez each going 30, 30. And I just, it's, it's, yeah, I can't wait to have some, that aspect. So yeah, that, uh, that kind of wraps up the Crawford trade end up talking about a bunch of shortstops and speed. Anyway, uh, I texted Pat or I emailed Pat at the start of our matchup saying this was a, um, a preview of the championship matchup. I did that just to kind of spin him up a little bit because multiple people have texted me that Pat is unbearable in expat about how every time he wins. Uh, so I just want to, it's not even no, no, winning. No, yeah. Pat, Pat has a habit of like, you'll, you won't be playing Pat and he'll be texting every single thing that happens in expat. And then you'll look at his matchup and it'll be like five, five or six, five or something like that. And, or even sometimes Pat will be losing and you'll be like, Pat, I, from the sound of it, you shouldn't you be like winning nine to three or something. Right. <laughs> you, so, you, yeah. yeah. He's just excited. He'll, he'll just excitedly text the group about an infield, hit as a his, home run. his team his team could go one for 30 on a monday but that one hit you're gonna be like oh, joey gallo yeah. all caps. like <laughs> yes like, and, and that's that's what that's how you hear it from pat so like if you're not following his team you 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 have no idea how it's doing based on how he messages he's an uncanny right. hype machine so yeah i just wanted to set him off a little bit to make sure that you guys were still getting your full uh pat experience but that may be the the championship week who knows like, right now we're i would have said so speaking of that yeah like you guys obviously are looking at ricky's team's interesting i would have said last week mook's team is the most talented team however he's had a lot of injuries now uh that have really hit him so things are not looking as good for him mook uh, said that you told him he was the most talented team but he doesn't know how to win what do you mean by I that i meant that by the him not even considering trading clank for lynn i'm not saying to do the trade but he laughed me off like it was the dumbest idea ever and it's like if you have generational talent talent. yeah he goes generational talent you don't get it is what he said to me it's like you already have you know acuna (laughs) and bieber and these guys it's like eloy yeah Yeah, eloy you got eloy that's gonna come like what the hell do you need to drag clinic around for i mean yeah i get it like he could be great but it's like you 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 don't know how much more longer you have of Scherzer. He always complains about not having pitching at the end of the year. It's like Lynn was the perfect. I, am I the only guy other than Pat that loves Lynn's in the, Lynn in this league? I just I love it, Lynn. I tried to trade for him in the off season. I'm yeah, like, and that's why I said Mook. That's why I say, in a certain respect, Mook doesn't know how to win because I feel like he doesn't make that move. He's done the move before of trading the draft picks, but. I, I, sometimes you got to get, you got to give up something good. It's the same thing. Like I said, with the trade thing at the time, you know, this is a month ago when we didn't know DJ wasn't so bad, but it's like, I wanted to do DJ for Mancini, which yeah, Mook was right to turn that down, but he counters with David Peralta. It's like, if you want to get something <laughs> that, if you want to get something that you, you know, you need, you need to give up something that you like too. you right. know, I don't it, trust it's going to cost it you something. five days. It doesn't die. And trust that you can go get that. Get another rookie who's just going to be as good 18 months and that's, from now. And that's the other thing. Mook has shown a pretty good talent of getting these guys. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's going to be another one. He dropped Austin Martin, who may be, you know, this nope. type of player 18 months from now. Like, yeah. Just get exactly. another one. Just pick him back up. Like, right. generational you talent. Know what I mean? You don't like, understand. You don't, you don't have a generational talent every year. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my only, that's my thing with Mook of like, I, like I said, I, I'm not saying he had to do that move. It's a 50 50 call on that move, just like it would have been if I did it for Witt or, or you did it for Julio Rodriguez. It's a, you get why you do that deal, but it's like to not even consider it as, as a, oh, yeah, that could, that could be the difference of my team getting a buy. That could be the difference of my team then winning because of that it is, is I think holds Mook back a little bit, honestly. Yeah. 
considering how much goddamn talent he's had on his team the last two or three years. Agree. You got to push your chips all into the middle. I texted him something like that a month or two ago uh, after a hot start from Acuna, and he came back and said that he had invested a few years ago with a bunch of picks, and I don't know what I'm talking about. So I went back and looked, and he did a little bit, but you'd like to see him push all in when he's got these guys. And But Max being out now, Bieber being out, it's he's in a bad spot. So I'm not sure. What yeah, no, now he's now he's like. suddenly in a bad spot. So it's like, yeah, you know, I don't know, maybe it's different, but, uh, but yeah, it's like, I, I don't know. But to, to me, if I'm him, like I said, it's like, you got to just hope that, you know, Max is healthy in September. And so is Bieber and all that. And you know, you already have the star power and you have Eloy coming back. It's like, if, if you get to September and you're, you're plugging his big three of Lynn Bieber and Max all roaring, you know, getting, getting four, or maybe even five starts in a playoff week. Like, that's that's how you win right or at least that's how you give yourself the best chance to win especially with the bye week too so and then maybe you have to drop some very talented players when it comes to keepers but you have a championship every every championship team drops a bunch of good talented players oh yeah you're if like if you're lance Lynn. You're, yeah yeah exactly yeah so all right let's run through some uh the last few notes here uh you put that i benched blake snell uh blake snell today gave up a bunch of runs at colorado uh, I pointed out to Goody prior to the, the recording here that I had 11 starts uh, amongst my all my starters uh, this week. So I had to sit two and Blake Snell at Colorado was just going to be one of those. Uh, I'm not dropping Blake Snell at this point, so no one needs to get excited. I probably won't drop Blake Snell anytime soon because, again, I'm at the top of the league uh, and I've been able to have my cake and eat it too a little bit and continue next, to take the chance next, to Blake Snell. By the way, next, next podcast, I'm – formulating a name game of Blake Snell. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, are you going to do it with free agents? No, no, no. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it just with, I think guys that could potentially be traded for. Okay. So I've offered Blake Snell to a few people for uh, various guys, one year guys who do not have the talent of Blake Snell. Uh, Cause I recognize that, you know, he's broken at this point. He's probably in the least Luis Castillo uh, mold where he's a a lottery ticket that someone should take a chance on uh, compared to some of these one-year guys. Uh, so I am doing that due diligence and so far um, just haven't done a trade. Uh, Ricky sitting Muncie. I'm uh, out of the loop on this I, one. I, what this happened one with this? I don't know. I don't understand that either. Somebody else brought this up like a week ago. I, I feel like, hasn't Muncie been awesome. I guess he, he hasn't has been, been as good recently. Is right. he like a home runner? So I got, I missed that. Ricky, yeah. Ricky was also very excited about DJ LeMahieu. I feel like I should have offered him DJ LeMahieu for Max Muncy. I don't think Ricky's team is that good. I think he benefited from hitting those three bad teams and winning like 11 But he gets to, to hit him again now. Uh, he does, but so do most teams in the league. Um, I don't. He's got pitching. You problems. don't, and Pat doesn't. So that helps as well. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. And then the last uh, note we had was Hot Carl. So, Do you know what that is? I don't know what that is. I, so I want to start introducing some of the terms from our various group chats into this podcast just to kind of get them out there because I always sure. like that from like the ESPN one. Uh, so the hot Carl is when a bad team has a really hot <laughs> week against you. Like, for instance, Brendan had a 900 OPS and 11 home runs against Mook and beat Mook. Right. So Mook got a hot Carl from Brendan. Okay. Like duty, and, yeah, duty a few weeks ago pitched to a sub two ERA 0.88 whip against me. Yeah. Yeah, but that was in the spider tack world. Oh, yeah, okay. different world. Not a hard, not a different hot world. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no such thing as a hot car on the spider tack world. 
Uh, but, and I feel like I'm getting a little bit of a hot Carl this week. Brendan has gone four for four on quality starts, uh, to start. Now that's a goddamn hot Carl. It's yeah. Brendan, Josh and, uh, duty all have these weeks sometimes where they just beat you. I mean, Josh has had a decent week or two here. He's got a good offense. We don't have to talk about the last place teams all that much, but like, no, I know this, this definitely, ha- it definitely happens. Uh, yeah. No, no, Perry, Perry is expected to have, well, I mean, to be fair, both of them have at least one really, really good hitter. And Brendan has Castellonis and Perry has Vlad. So each of those guys can just go off on you at any time. Right. Uh, and that kind of does it. Uh, I think the pitching side from those guys really sticks out for me because they both have had such terrible pitching. Yeah. That's like, I don't know. Yeah. I, that's what, of, of course. And like, I was like, Oh, of course Castillo would have his, you know, his best start of the season against me. Great. Just, Just like, like Blake Snell. I, this wasn't a hot Carl, but I got to bring it up. Yeah. Blake Snell somehow <laughs> found seven innings and 11 strikeouts in between his, you know, three inning outings to, to 20. Go yeah. Right. Me. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he he made sure to find his you know point two seven whip and and eleven strikeouts to to deliver to me. Uh, but he couldn't do it against Speed, which is who we thought he would do it against. That is true. Yeah, you got to rack up your wins against those three teams when you hit them in the schedule because you can really vault up the standings. Um, and that's what and that's where I'm at. My whole season is determined in the next three weeks. Nobody, duty, don't ask me for Devers until after I get through this stretch. <laughs> All right. Any other topics goes, before we sign off here? Same goes for you with Molly Husky. Give me that Molly. Pray. Shit. My last, my send off is pray for Tyler Glass now. Well, actually, <laughs> I think he might be a lost cause. Pray, pray for Zach Gowan. <laughs> All right, everyone. Uh, good to be back. Thanks for hopping on to talk about uh, Glass now and sticky stuff. Have a good night. Sticky stuff.